Uh, hello, I will make this as quick as possible. Basically, they're the, the software that I use in Discord to record the audio just decided to shit the bed. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, because there's some context missing and very important context missing from the episode, I'm going to basically just go in and post and put in the stuff you need to understand the next part. Uh, I apologize for the choppy experience, but I felt there was too much good stuff in this episode to just scrap it all. Uh, enjoy. Hello, and welcome to episode... Fuck. What episode am I on again? <laughs> this is a very professional set. I don't think you understand. It is every episode. Like, I don't, there's no excuse for it at this point. I'm just lazy. I don't look <laughs> before. And at this point, why start now? Just make it part of the intro, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. let me check, because I legitimately don't remember. I want to say we're on, like, 12 or something. Dang. It's a rather prolif- prolific podcast. Yes, we are on episode 12. Episode 12 of the Cheese and Eggs podcast. I am your host, Steven, and I am here with my guest, Katie. How are you doing, Katie? Doing pretty well. How are you, Steven? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a question you asked there. Um, are we not allowed <laughs> to ask people how they are the week of the election anymore? No. I, I feel like I'd be okay with that. um but speaking of the election quick uh quick little spiel i would like to thank everyone who voted for voting um and if you could not vote for voter suppression or anything like that or eight hour lines and you have like a job to get to i understand thank you for your efforts we'll get them next time if you didn't vote fuck you uh and if you're apolitical, fuck you especially. And I don't want to hear your political opinion for the next 24 months. Um, that's all we have to say on that matter. Just, you know, have a nice weekend, guys. <laughs> Enjoy the doom scrolling and the election watching. Yeah. But today we're going to talk about the, the meaning of life, or as Kay likes to call it, twilight. <laughs> Putting words in my mouth. Um, would like to, to quickly argue. <laughs> I know, I know, I never, I was quoting someone else. I never said that Twilight was the meaning of life. I was oh! really saying that it was, you know, in our current climate, everyone's meaning of life is different. And I think that, you know, if it brings you joy, if it brings you memes, if it brings you anything then maybe that can be your meaning of life for the day so i think in this moment maybe but i would like to argue against the notion that i personally consider twilight to be my meaning of my life you said none of that before you added all of this so these are now alternative facts no because i can pull <laughs> up the text right now where i was quoting someone else uh-huh. because Someone said that we were recording a podcast episode on the meaning of life. And I said that I found it funny that they said that we were recording an episode on the meaning of life when in reality we had already planned to discuss Twilight. And then I said pretty close because I just thought it was funny. So that is what I am arguing against only because, you know, some days it can be the meaning of life. And today it can be the meaning of life, but tomorrow probably not. But Today is good. Right now. Right All now we have is, is now. All we have is now. I'm so sorry. I caffeinated too much before this podcast. 
to prepare. Oh, it's cool. I have my I have my caffeine in the fridge sitting next to me because I was about to fall asleep during coffee stream today. Um, <laughs> I I've been so tired lately. I honestly don't even know why. I've been going to sleep decently early this week because I've been on top of my shit. Oh um, no, I've been me and the New York Times hanging out in the late hours. Me waiting, me waiting for things. But anyways, we didn't come to talk about. You already said what needed to be said about the election. I think we're just oh, waiting. Yeah. Nah, what even uh, what even watching or listening to besides you know Twilight? Um, so I just finished Hill House this week, The Haunting of Hill House. Nice. Um, and I'm gonna watch Bly Manor tonight once I finish my thesis deadline because. I really loved Hill House. I know I'm like super late. I'm coming back and I'm like, wait, Hill House is good. And everyone in 2018 <laughs> who, you know, critically claimed most watched show on Netflix from 2018, everyone's like, yeah, we told you that. But I didn't think I liked horror and I still don't really like horror, but Hill House was just a different, it worked. And I, I really loved that. And um, listening to... I've been trying to project like good energy and again, not to bring up the election again, but I've been listening to a lot of like outcast and a lot of yes, like, yes, <laughs> yes, like, old, like old Atlanta rappers from my youth. And I'm like, we're just sending good vibes out into the universe because I think blue would look so good on us. So that's what I've been listening to. Here's the question. Okay. Mm -hmm. Georgia is now blue as far as we know until the yeah, recount. Yeah. We don't fuck it up. What are we changing? The, what outcast song are we changing the national anthem to? So I was recently, oh goodness, what was it that I was like, why am I vibing with this right now? Because um, I mean, like surface level, I found it just to laugh about where it was just such a joy. Like, because what happened was is that Hey Y'all came on my shuffle and then I was like, I'm just going to listen to outcast for the rest of the week uh, because it came on my shuffle and then, you know, the numbers started changing. And I was like, oh my God, I have to, drop everything and just listen to outcast um yes. <laughs> oh god i don't even know what do you I think extensively okay so on twitter the general consensus is the international players anthem i say rosa parks i yeah i agree with that because I, all of my answers are just more like this is a song that i like but i think that one fits more of what you're going for um, I guess a, with like not really yeah. it's definitely a um making light of rosa parks a little bit oh yeah but i mean also like right. it's just it if we're talking about like you know an anthem and like what i feel like embodies like atlanta the most i feel like you know so yeah i've just been listening to a lot of outcasts i've been like listening very horrifyingly as my Southern accent has been coming out a lot more it's over text, which never used to happen before. People have been commenting. They're like, you're, you're speaking in a very specific way over text. I'm like, sorry, I lost myself for a minute and thought I was back in high school. Um, but you know what? <laughs> if it keeps changing the numbers, I'm going to yeah. be talking like my inner city Atlanta public school accent forever. But anyways. <laughs> Did you say inner city Atlanta public school? Oh my but God. It's a different accent than the southern one i don't know how to yes, explain it, it. <laughs> um i would go into it but it would be here yeah. for a long time yeah maybe that's a different episode like the linguistics of 
I different. I think I mentioned this before. I, don't know, I think it'd be mm-hmm. a cool little experiment, just like talk to different language learn like second language learners. Yeah, yeah. Just talk to them about their their second language acquisition process, um, especially yeah. like older people, because obviously education's changed a lot with technology and also just how we think about language. Like no, they used I mean to be the idea that like immersion was the best way to do it, and then people were like, no, we're not children. That doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. It's really I think it'd be cool a little, little experiment. No, I definitely, I would definitely be interested in seeing that or doing that or whatever. I definitely, I think language learning is just so fascinating. Obviously, you probably more so than me, but like language learning and language acquisition and then what you do with language. I just think it's all very fascinating. And then accents are also just like the code switching and not just accents, but like the words they use. Because I barely code, like, obviously, I'm not the person to really lead the discussion on code switching, but... (laughs) Uh, but even I notice it with like myself, which is baffling. So the amount of code switching that has to happen with when you're talking about something like African American vernacular English and then everything else. Yeah, it's really interesting. Anyways, that's not what we came here to talk about, but I would definitely be interested in uh, seeing what you do with that. It'll be a while. Um, I feel like I need to at least, you know, get a little Mm -hmm. more background knowledge before I even attempt something like that. I can send you some, um, some, they're not like full out, like, oh my God, I'm going to tear my hair out academia papers, but I've read Mm -hmm. some for my thesis. And then there's some professors at Georgia Tech who do that as like their main research, like some PhD candidates and professors. Mm -hmm. So I can send you some of that if you just want like readable academia to go with. Oh, I've been long past readable academia, but yes, I will definitely take it. See, when it comes to linguistics, because I have a very small background in linguistics, but not enough. Mm-hmm. So anything that I can send you linguistics-wise is like, here's some readable academia, some light academia. Yeah. Oh, God. Light academia. I can't even say that anymore, because now it's like it, it's... The dark academia is like, a thing. Well, light academia is a thing, too. What? Yes. Because dark academia is like the gothic basically think like dead poet society and like you know oscar wilde and everything but like light academia is like without the gothic so they're like yeah like you live it's on the like beige instead of like, black. yeah yeah um and i'm starting to realize i was like someone was explaining it to me and then i'm looking around my apartment and i'm like oh no i <laughs> <laughs> i'm like it's me it's but then me. also i don't really i like you know people are like yeah, I live my life to this aesthetic. And I'm like, you know, before TikTok, not just I'm like an old cranky person, but before TikTok, we were out here just like, I like this because I like the look of it and it brings me joy. But now people are like, it has to be like this rigid aesthetic. And I'm like, maybe mix it up. Like go wild, like, you know, like cottagecore, this, whatever, like go wild with it, especially, you know, and then now people are bringing up, they're like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like dark academia because it glorifies this, and then the cottage core ignores like the erasure <laughs> of the indigenous peoples and blah blah blah. And I'm like, see, back before y'all made it into a whole lifestyle, we were allowed to have plants in our room, but now <laughs> you made it into a thing, and now people are like, but don't you know about the colonizers? And I'm like, I just keep plants in my room. I wasn't trying to like, you know glorify taking someone else's land 
<laughs> and moving into the woods like some like Walden fantasy. Oh, um, fuck Walden. Yeah, I know. You know that he oh. had his laundry done the God. whole time that he was there? I didn't know all that. I knew he went like, back. He went to a rich friend's house. No, I know, but he went to like a. I don't know if it was like a friend or a family. He knew someone with, you know, like access to just modern appliances. And then he's out here writing this like BS thing where it's like, go to the woods and find yourself. Like, this is a totally achievable thing for the common man. Um, and Take he had someone doing his laundry. He's like the epitome of that guy that you took intro to English with that like dropped out of college to focus on his novel, you know? He's just so <laughs> pretentious. And that's the thing. I want to keep plants in my room without being accused of being like, you know, a Waldenite or whatever. Like I Thoreau, he's got nothing. Honestly. Like I grew up like in front of it, like a nature reserve, like on like in front of a lake. So like sometimes I would go to the lake and I'm like, wow, this is peaceful. This is calming. No thanks to you, Thoreau. Like, you know, <laughs> he didn't do anything. <laughs> Never did anything for me. <laughs> I read... Okay, I read on my own, like, two okay. and a half chapters of Walden. Uh -huh. uh, the rest of it was read to me in class. The rest of what I read, anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing I remember from Walden is the pickerel. I yes. don't... I don't know what this was, what was supposed to symbolize. I don't know what it was there for. <laughs> half a chapter for what I needed to do for my project. I got my B and I dipped. Never touched it again. And it's only the second worst book I've ever read. <laughs> what What is the first? We the first? Know. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's a Thomas Hardy book. What was it? Uh, oh, no. It was so boring. I can't remember the name <laughs> now. It was. It had to do with brown. It was a lot of brown. That okay. I know. It's, I know it's really specific. Uh, um, Return of the Native. There we go. Uh yeah, yeah. No, I still think my number one, or I guess I shouldn't say number one least favorite. The Heart of Darkness. Yes. Thank you for knowing that. I have read it three times. I've had to read really? it three times, and I I read it my senior year in high school. And then I had to read it again before the test my senior year in high school. Then we all almost got expelled over this test because there was a cheating scandal that I was in no way a part of, but we all got implicated, which was super fun. Definitely made me really feel things toward Heart of Darkness that, you know, I already was pretty upset. And then, you know, I almost got my college acceptance rescinded. So thank you, Joseph Conrad for that oh, no. um and then i had to read it again my junior year of college in a history class and i had to write an essay on it and i still can't tell you what happens like i'm still not sure like how kurt's even like like i know which characters die and everything but like do i and then like i don't even know what's going on half the time it's the most convoluted writing style i've ever <laughs> dealt with ever and i just it's not for me and then like the more you find out about the plot you're more like wait but i still hate this like i might hate it more the more i understand um <laughs> yeah so that's my number one like i just i don't if i have to read that book again before i graduate i'm like that just feels like it's gonna haunt me for the rest of my life because i've already had to read it three times i really hope you don't have to read it again that sounds Thank awful you. 
especially because I keep getting rid of the book symbolically. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to go find it again. Yeah, I don't want to buy this book again. It really is going to haunt me if I do. It's very cheap. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to have to buy this book again. <laughs> I think the only book I ever really want to read again from high school was probably As I Lay Dying. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. weird ass. I, yeah. <laughs> there's like... My Mother is a Fish. That was almost my senior quote, but my mom wouldn't <laughs> let me. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Know, it's literally a chapter. And it's Daryl's chapter, I think, and it just says, "My mother is a fish." And I was like, "I love this. This is great." Mm -hmm. um, not at all knowing what it was supposed to be. It was really fucked up, but yeah, really entertaining book actually. Um, Faulkner's was a strange man. Apparently, yeah. he wrote all that like in one night. It was like writing shit on the walls, so it made it like yeah. even more endearing in a way. <laughs> See, like Faulkner, and then like, oh god, I had to read so much Hemingway. And Hemingway, it just, I know that people always bring this up to, like, prove a point. I don't know why people always bring up the fact that he was, like, drunk all the time when he wrote his stuff. They're like, yeah, so, like, you know, drinking, blah, blah, blah. I can definitely tell that he was drunk when he wrote all of that. <laughs> like, I don't understand why we're striving for that. This man was paid by the word. What in the world? And, yeah, I don't know. I, from high school, I read a lot of Toni Morrison my senior year, and I and I love Toni Morrison. Like I would read anything from her again. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I don't know. Also, so my senior year, I also like had to read. I am. I know we just like kind of roasted Dark Academia, and we're not supposed to be glorifying people and whatever. Um, I do love the picture of Dorian Gray. That's like always been. I've read it since I was like. 12 and like Oscar Wilde is an interesting person yeah. um which I know it's just, great. yeah I love that book and that was like my big senior essay that I basically <laughs> like my teacher was like are you sure you're gonna write about this and I'm like I'm going to argue that this book was about different kinds of love and it all had to do with like Oscar Wilde's life and all this stuff. And I turned it in and she was like, this was weird, but like in a good way. So here's a good grade. But like, I, yeah, that was weird. And I was like, thank you. That was. I want yeah. more details about this. But well, like... I said, well, yeah, well, we can talk about it later. I'll, I'll tell you later. Uh, Cause we haven't even gotten we to Twilight. It. The, the real literature the, on the table right now. Dorian um, Gray Who, we can talk about that later. We, we, refer, we will not refer to this as, we will not refer to the first Twilight movie as Twilight, what, what's it called? Is it just called Oh, Twilight? the blue movie? Yes, what is it called? Er, sorry, what was the question? What's like the actual name of the first Twilight movie? Is it Twilight. <laughs> was it just it's Twilight? called Twilight. Oh, okay, cool. I thought it had like a fancy name. No, <laughs> it's called Twilight. I call it the blue movie, but it's yeah. Twilight. And then the second movie is, I don't know why I keep saying, it was a, you know, the book series, but it's Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn. And then finally, um, Midnight Sun came out, which, you know. I don't know if we have time to get. Yeah. I don't. Yes. be here all day. Well, I would enjoy that. You have shit to do. 
no i'm i'm good i'm definitely we'll we'll finish when we finish i think you know whenever you need me to stop talking i definitely am fine and right here's where we start talking about the second twilight movie i was saying like out of it but i don't think you'll have the same experience because the blue movie it just it at least was trying trying but it wasn't trying to make money you know so the rest of it is just very clearly like i have done an in-depth research profile of what aids to cut taylor lautner's hair to this specific uh these days detailed research profile to determine exactly what how long we should cut taylor lautner's hair and whatnot okay you read in a few <laughs> hours when you were 11 go yes i well not i read the whole reason four days when i was 11 so like i read a book a day over the summer and, and so the books are just you fly through them like they're super fast and they're like even if you don't like what you're reading they're they are really addictive i don't want to I, you know, I'll hate on Stephanie Meyer later. Like, that's not something that I'll take from her. She can write a book that's like, okay, I'm done now. And I need to keep going, yeah. you know? Um, but everything in the books is terrible. <laughs> because, um, the thing about Stephanie Meyer, like, as a writer, I'm not talking about her as a person right now. As a writer, she has such a bad idea of who should be her main character. You see this later on when she writes The Host. Like, she wants her main characters to be these really boring people with no personality and no substance. But then her side characters, she like barely gives a second thought. But they're so much more interesting and compelling. Like literally all of them. I can make a case for why every single other character in the book Twilight other than Bella, Edward, or Jacob should have been the main character. I can give a whole case for every single one of them. And she just is like, no, no, no. We are dealing now with the self-insert and the abusive boyfriend and, you know, that cute kid from the first one. Yeah, he's not going to be cute anymore because he got friend-zoned and he's going to, like, basically be, like, an incel about it. Um, so like he's a, terrible. Like, like, thing either. Like, it's... This actually happens a lot in anime. Um, yeah. Like, in the isekai genre, meaning in another world. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, you have a self-insert character with slightly more interesting uh, surrounding characters, and then they're just like, "All right, uh, insert character gets the harem of women, uh, mm -hmm. and somehow is overpowered and gets everything in the world with little to no trouble." Mm -hmm. just, just so like the the incel anime fans can you know feel something, I guess. Yeah, and that's what's kind of weird is like you know the demographic for Twilight wasn't like. You know, she wasn't appealing to the incel. She was appealing to herself, which is, you know, it worked. Like, I don't want to take that from her. Like, Twilight Moms, if you ever want a really fascinating read in fan studies, the Twilight Moms are just such a fascinating, like, concept. And also, I'm not here to, like, again, I will, you know, tear the movies apart, tear the books apart, tear Stephanie Meyer apart because she deserves it. But... I never really tear fans apart just because, you know, wow. they're passionate about things and, you know, if they do bad things, then that's when you're like, no, these fans have gone too far. But I'm never going to be like, you know, Twihards ruin Comic-Con. Like, no, your sexism ruin Comic-Con. But, <laughs> um, 
you know, I'm not a fan of tearing teen girls down for liking things, even though things are specifically appealed to teen girls because they're the target demographic, because they're the ones that push media forward. And anyway, <laughs> exactly. Like, that's kind of like, I'm not here to hate on them. However, it's just, it's really interesting to see Stephanie Meyer write this book that was just so clearly aimed at her own fantasy, like her own life. But because like the main character is so bland, like everyone can project onto Bella and you know, everyone is now like, it's like, I just love Twilight. Like it's just so personal when Bella really, I mean, I will give, I will give the books this. She is funnier in the books. Like, because her internal monologue is just so, it's, it's wild, but, you know, even then, she's still just, like, she's written to be a Mary Sue character, and it worked so well. Mm -hmm. So, that's my quick little spiel. I'm not here to tear Twihards down, they love what they love, but I do find it really interesting how quickly and how easily you know, Stephanie Meyer's version of herself caught on with, I understand the, the Twilight moms, but like caught on with such a wide demographic of teenage girls to just kind of, and I shouldn't just say, like there were other fans of Twilight, but I think when you think of the quintessential Twilight fan is definitely, yeah. um, you know, I read it when I was 11 and I was obsessed for a month. And then I, I don't know. I don't know if it was me growing up or me dealing with some internalized misogyny. I don't know which one hit first. Because no. I don't know if I was like, this is an abusive relationship or I shouldn't like Twilight because other girls like Twilight. So ah. I'm not sure which one hit first. I would like to say that it was because Edward is very scary. Actually, I, you know what? He's terrified <laughs> Dexter kind of way like I know that he only like murders murderers but like oh my god it was so creepy and I'm like 11 years old and I'm like this guy has wow and I think that is what actually happened and um you know I I don't think I was as big against like the fans of Twilight as I was other things like I was very against like Justin Bieber like that was probably my internalized misogyny phase even though I am still very much against Justin Bieber just from <laughs> A personal level. What did Justin Bieber do? What didn't he do? You I know? don't know. He did a. He's done a lot. And okay. like when I was younger, it was just I didn't like his singing. I didn't think I didn't like his voice annoyed me. But also like all the girls obsessed with him. And that was when my little like not like other girls popped out. I was ten. Um, I'm like I'm not like other girls. I hate Justin Bieber. Uh, now I'm older and I'm like not like other girls is a scam. Don't ever buy into that like blah, blah 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 but i still don't like justin bieber um, but that's a whole other but yeah he just i don't agree with him on a lot of things and if nothing else he's just done a lot of weird stuff like he went to the anne frank house and like you know i've heard this so many times and like i haven't fully authenticated it but like i'm pretty sure this is true but if it's not like i'll totally i mean i won't apologize to him because what does he care <laughs> But apparently he went to like the Anne Frank house and wrote in the, you can leave a message. And um, he wrote like, that like she would have been a believer. And I was like, yikes. Oh. Canada, take him back. 
I think he tried to live in Atlanta at one point. No, he did. He Usher. He was living in Usher's house. What? Yes, you didn't know Usher was the one who backed him. (laughs) Yeah. No, I saw him at Perimeter Mall. Uh, Yeah. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. That that's nuts. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so now you know Usher did this to us. Did this to us? Yes. I mean, look, he yeah. gave us one of the most iconic high school dance songs you could ever ask for. I know. So, you know, I'll I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't fully hold it against Usher, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if you're looking for someone to really blame, but isn't Justin Bieber, I think, you know, you should blame Justin Bieber first and foremost, but yes. If you're looking for someone, I mean, now I just, I don't, I do not trust him. Because it's not like, okay, to clarify, it's not that I don't have my issues with Taylor Swift. I just don't really trust celebrities that go out of their way to just, like, really go after her. Because I'm like, why would you do that? And the whole thing with him. Okay. Hmm? That's why you don't like Kanye West. This make This is coming together now. Well, also, I mean, I have other reasons I don't like Kanye West at this point. But yes, I haven't liked Kanye West since 2008 VMAs. What a... I mean, that being said, like, I mean, now... Now Kanye West is a whole different element. But yeah, no, I don't... You know, again, I I do like Taylor Swift's music, but I, you know, I have, like some issues with her but i don't fully like i think that she has been portrayed unfairly in the media but i also really don't trust like male artists that have just kind of really gone after her for really no discernible reasons and that's with like kanye and like justin bieber too like the two of them just kind of really i don't really understand that at all um, especially, actually, especially Kanye. I really don't understand what started this whole thing at all. Because it's like you look at the VMA on the red carpet uh, mm-hmm. with Amber Rose, and he was like, "I'm gonna let you finish," but and they only got one of the best albums of all time out of it. So you know, like are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about Kanye's album? <laughs> yes, Kanye's album. See, I just. Yeah, I also, I only like, like, certain songs by Kanye, but that's not, I'm not really of the opinion, and maybe this is a bad opinion, I'm not of the opinion, like, like, if I liked Kanye's music, like, I would probably still listen to Kanye's music, I just, yeah. Um, I also, my main thing, like, the VMAs were so long ago, my thing is, like, the whole, like, the music video, I think also, like, that there's just a lot of elements where, I don't love talking about it as much just because like I try and explain like why that music video was like the moment where I'm like no like that's not okay at all and then and then like the phone call like that was just I do love it for the drama aspect that some intern or like assistant or whatever was so heated with either Kim or Kanye like one of them and then they waited until the perfect moment in 2020 and they're like i'm gonna leak the rest of the phone call like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna watch the world burn you know its whole career exactly and like it was but it was fun though just because like okay they leaked it and it was like 
wait, are you saying that Taylor Swift has been telling the truth the whole time? I'm like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do, like, one of my issues with her is I do think when she was younger, and that's the thing, I think most of my issues with her come from, like, years ago when she was, like, 20 and, like, 17. And, like, because the whole thing with Kanye West happened when she was 19 years old. Um, Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of, like, power dynamics and elements where I'm, like, trying to explain it to people where I'm, like, this is why I'm uncomfortable with all of the stuff that happened. Um, but yeah, you know, like I don't love how she's, uh, you know, I, what she's done in the past with politics. I think she's trying to get better. Um, but like, and I mean, I understand like the dynamic of like country music and whatever, but like, you know, she still did what she did or whatever, but I'm a country artist anymore. Like I'm legitimately curious. I haven't heard. So the thing is like, she, she no but so she started in country music and the whole thing of country music is like you don't talk about politics like that's like very ingrained in country music because if you um so you know the dixie chicks yeah so like they were very against bush um as (laughs) as many of us were or continue to be but they made a comment at one of their concerts and it basically hmm? as you probably should be yeah, but they made a comment at one of their concerts and it like basically tanked their career for years. Like mm-hmm. literally like people, I can send you clips of it later, like it was the things that they were saying about the Dixie Chicks. Well, first of all, it was all rooted in sexism, but also like, oh my God, like the, some of the stuff they used to air and like what they would say, it's like, I would like to think that even like, you know, today that would get some people mad. But it was just, you know, early 2000s, they were just like, they were like, these are some of the dumbest women in music <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, they should, like, they shouldn't even have an opinion. And it was just very, like, not even, like, trying to hide the sexism of it. So I do understand from that angle of, like, it's just very ingrained in country music. You don't talk about politics. And that kind of followed her career for a really long time. And, like, she started, her first album came out when she was 15 years old. <laughs> So, like, I try to separate some of my feelings with, like, what she's done in the past with the fact of, like, she was a 15-year-old who hit the charts, like, really, really quickly in country yeah. music. But, yeah, no. Now, I would actually, I don't know if you would like her most recent album. I think her most recent album is her best album. Like, it's just, it's really, really good. But also, I like that style here's, of music a little bit more. Here's what you'll figure out about me really fast. If someone really likes something... Who am I to it not at least like give it a shot? Yeah. And I mean, this album, it's it's broken like a bunch of records as well. Like this is like everyone kind of agrees. I mean, there are people that are still like, no, Red is her best album. And I'm like, I mean, that's fair. I'm not going to say you're wrong. But I'm also saying that I think Folklore is my favorite album. Though, as I've gotten older, Reputation has grown on me a lot when i first heard it i was like this is a lot happening because we went straight from like i honestly got back into taylor swift like i first heard taylor swift when i was seven years old with the teardrops on my guitar music video um and i really liked that but i got back into taylor swift with 1989 because i was less into country music and more into like what 1989 was and reputation was just like a lot um because she was very upset which i you know i give her credit for that and but honestly reputation wasn't like going back the production like it was an excellent album and 
but folklore is i i think that's her best album it's just it's really good um and also i love the fact that she just got bored in quarantine she's like yeah i just needed something to do so here's an album hello goodbye recorded this all a lot of really good projects at least in rap music came out recently um mm -hmm. it's like the, the, the post quarantine you know kind of just everyone dropped at the same time yeah a few weeks ago was like what it was for a lot of people and it was just such a good time you know just listening yeah to dropping at the same time around the same time it's like such an experience too um, that's like came up with and a lot of people like share the same sentiments and stuff like quarantine i'm losing a lot of money but as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as the uh concert opened back up you know it's, mm -hmm. it's bad. that's like i am i shouldn't be holding out hope for this i want a new florence and machine album really badly um i okay before you say anything i do have to clarify florence and machine is my favorite band or band person it, Florence, calling Florence and Machine a band always feels weird, even though they are a band. But like, I I've loved Florence and Machine since I was like 13 years old, and I've been waiting for a new album. And I'm like, perhaps, perhaps she cool. will use quarantine. Hmm. Been waiting for a Kendrick album since 2016. <laughs> Hold on, I have to blow out this candle because it's like bubbling now. Hold on. I don't know if you could hear that, but I just wanted to clarify that's what I was doing. That Go for it, it was it made a weird bubbling sound and I'm not a fan of arson. So <laughs> I mean look, it could be fun. Um <laughs> Well, yeah. arson of my own apartment feels less fun. I shouldn't I'm, say that. Oh my god. Uh, okay. Arson is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say before the podcast, Katie? What did I say before uh, the podcast? I've never I have never and will never commit arson. And even if I did accidentally set my apartment on fire, it wouldn't be arson. But <laughs> I was just clarifying to your question that I don't think I would find burning my apartment down on accident or otherwise very fun. Shit, I'm um, just out of energy. You know it's there. Just you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, I, I mean, I feel like you would just have a new problem. <laughs> All of your I mean, old problems would go away, but like, I can't afford a new computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most expensive thing I own. Oh, God. No, I can't blame you. Uh, but look, what are we talking about? I don't know. We were supposed to be talking. This is a Twilight episode, and I don't know why I can't keep us on Twilight. I normally have a very good skill at making things about, you know, things like Twilight, and I'm failing utterly. <laughs> but I guess if we were talking about music, the other aspect, or what did you say? It's the power of this podcast. It's never just about whatever. <laughs> well, Literally I guess... Well, I was saying that, like, I guess if we were talking about music, we could comment on, you know, the Blue Movies soundtrack. And I will say this, um, Alexander Patsavis, who did the soundtrack for Twilight, did the soundtrack for the rest of the franchise. So even if the movies are, like, worse, the soundtrack's still, they're still wonderful. Because Alexander Patsavis has never done a bad soundtrack in her life. She cannot do it. Um, and, you know she she's trying her best like this woman did however did six seasons of gossip girl and still is in the industry working 
that's how much tenacity she has she does not care what else is going on she's like i will continue and i will continue to make soundtracks that are better than yours <laughs> and you know uh, she's definitely my favorite music supervisor like she has never let me down with a soundtrack because she just she's great it's a strange category to have a favorite for i've never heard anyone say it's my favorite music supervisor well i i like music supervision i i like scoring i like music supervision um i think soundtracks do a lot for mm -hmm. uh movies but mostly like i love tv show soundtracks which is like alexander pasavas obviously i guess i should clarify because maybe she's not as famous as i feel that she should be but you know if you know her it's probably from the Grey's anatomy soundtrack oh that shit's great exactly she did all of Grey's anatomy she did the oc was her first really big thing and if you I, I don't know why people still haven't watched the oc um but because no one knows what the fuck the oc is except for you and like five people in georgia that's like literally not even true i I can't believe you just recorded yourself saying that, Steven. <laughs> no, I'm so serious. Like, that's, like, it broke records on Fox. It was a cultural phenomenon. It's just that our generation, I don't know. I still, I've written on this and everything. I still don't know what the cultural disconnect was that didn't carry the OC over into our generation. Because we still, I mean, I guess Gossip Girl makes sense in the sense of, like, it came out later. But like One Tree out? Hill, it came out, it premiered in 2003, um, but it aired from 2003 to 2007, 2006, I should know this. Um, but then the next year, um, they did Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl and the OC are done by the same people, um, mm -hmm. the same magnificent people, their brains, <laughs> their minds, I don't even know. Um, yeah, but anyways, she did the OC, which you're going to think that I'm lying. I promise you I'm not, and I can send you sources later if it really is an issue. <laughs> the soundtrack of the OC was, like, deeply important, and it was actually, like, it had a lot of effects. It launched Death Cab for Cutie's career. Um, Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah, it premiered. It wasn't the premiere of the killers but they did perform that was one of their first performances and mr brightside was on the oc um they premiered fix you by coldplay like that's where that song first made its debut mm -hmm. um you know so they were doing a lot and obviously you know this isn't what this episode is about but you can't the the um what you say meme you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. Yeah, that's making fun of the OC. That's making fun of the OC. That song, that everything, that was that. You've seen the sketch that the meme is from, the SNL sketch. I have not. So the the original the meme comes from an SNL sketch called "Dear Sister," which you should see. But most people just love "Dear Sister" because they're like, it's so nonsensical. Like I don't even know what's going on. It's because it's making fun of a very specific thing that happened in the OC, which is someone gets shot and that song starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's supposed to be like this really serious scene. And but like the thing about the OC, it was it was a satirical show. And like 
<laughs> this little moment of like, I don't know whether I, I don't know what to do right now. But then dear sister was making fun of that. So anyways, like Alexandra Pasava is like, she did the Twilight soundtrack. She did all of that. Like she's, I would definitely argue that she's the most influential music supervisor. Um, Cause if you know any music supervisor, she like the John Williams of supervisors, you know? Yeah. Like if you there know you any of them, you know, you know her. Um, so, you know, the Twilight soundtrack is great. All of them are great. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sending <laughs> that along. You're welcome. I have to put in a Boondocks uh, reference somewhere in my episodes. It, I can't go without one, honestly. I'm just gonna you put know? this thing like, in the middle of it. Information on the shooting, I watched that show my brother calls the news. Oh, shit! Oh, nigga, I synced it. I synced the whole thing, nigga. You should have synced that shit. I saw it. Oh, great. Black eye witness, man. I hate black eye witness, man. Nigga, shush. With my own eyes, nigga. Damn, that shit was crazy, nigga. I synced everything. Hold up. Nigga, that's me on TV, baby. Yeah, nigga. Yeah. I ain't got your money, nigga. Oh, Jesus. It was terrible. I was in the club. And I was in the club, and this bitch stepped on my shoe, and I was like, bitch! And then some nigga started shooting. I was like, there he go! He done fucked it up everybody! So, what had happened was, Gangsta Delicious was doing a show in town when three men rushed the stage and shot him. Ironically, he was doing his new joint, I Got Shot, at the time. I got shot! It was 45 minutes before anyone called an ambulance. Gangstalicious got shot! Again? We got to do something. I got an idea. Let's go to college so we don't end up like Gangstalicious. <laughs> it's just your brand. It is, right? I, ha I like like five things, okay? It used to be four, I guess now it's five. I like rap music, martial arts, anime, uh, fighting games, and the boondocks. There we go. It's, that's like I it. mean, that's like, I don't know what my five things would be. If I can say teen dramas as like one thing, then I guess that's I could narrow it down to five things. But teen it's not. <laughs> but teen dramas is not just one thing. Is the thing. But anyways, I understand that. I like, yeah. I like I like a lot of things though. Yeah. It's just that I do like I also should I, am I supposed to like clarify what? I'm just like super invested in four things. Like that's just it. Yeah, I mean too. Like I don't know like I don't know like what like if you have like like a like an audience or anything. I feel like I should clarify like it's like teen dramas is what I study. So it's like that's what I research in and that's like the I work that's my demographic is with teens and young adults like no matter what I'm researching so like there are some teen dramas that I that I've just seen and mm -hmm. there are others that I that I love you know that I'm very like invested and very protective over um, sure. the OC happens to be that show I think people just say such slanderous things that they don't even understand and I'm like, well, referencing my paper, 
<laughs> on the relevance of the OC. And, you know, referencing the... scholar. Yeah. Like, listen, the OC just did so much, and it's so underappreciated by people. I'm going to say our age. I know that we're not really the same age, but, like, you know... We are one year apart. Are we? Yes. How old are you? I'm 20. When do you turn 21? August 23rd. We're, like, almost exactly a year apart. I know. I'm so sorry that I forgot that. <laughs> I'm normally really good with birthdays. I'm going to return like, to my birthday. Yeah, but then how did you know? Because you, like, turned 21 in the last Yeah, I turned 21 in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Yippee for me. But, you know, it was fine. I watched, um... What did I watch on my birthday? Did I watch the Scooby-Doo movie on my birthday? With my friends. This is, this is what I'm saying. I feel like I have underappreciated taste sometimes. Because here's at the end of the day, would you rather watch a film... Or would you rather watch the Scooby-Doo movie with the acknowledgement that the Scooby-Doo movie is, by some definitions, of film? It is an odd <laughs> the product of authorship. I, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, my film professor that to his face. Um. Please, but don't tell him that it came from me. I love to just say things in my, like film heavier classes just to like rile people up like i just love to make especially the guys i just love to make film majors mad like it just brings me such joy in life you know where it's like well first of all like my freshman year that's when i figured out that you can make people really mad because the paper i wrote on the oc was actually about like the auteur theory in teen television and like like following this throughout and like everyone i talk to who's more like fan studies or television they're like yeah like this is really good like everyone the film people would not talk to me flat out they were like you cannot write first of all they're like you can't talk about the auteur theory in television it does not exist even though arguably it does exist like more so but anyways uh -huh. i don't want to i don't want to ruffling feathers with that but then they were like <laughs> But then I told them, I'm like, yeah, about the auteur theory and television. And then the ones that were like, okay, I guess. And I'm like, so I'm talking about Josh Horst and Stephanie Savage. They're like, oh, who are they? Did they do Breaking Bad? And I'm like, you need to watch more television. But anyways, I was like, no, no, no. They're on um, the OC and, and Gossip Girl. And they, you know, they, and then I list all the other shows and they're like, get out, like <laughs> leave. Just leave. I just love, I just love making people mad. It's very fun. That is hilarious. Yeah. So that's, I guess that, that's one of my passions in life. Here. There, oh, there he is. <sighs> okay. We're back after the second audio interruption. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? I don't know. I really don't care. This is a great episode. Let's just keep it rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so you like making film majors mad? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So where do you go from there? I mean, I guess the main way to make film majors mad and maybe, you know, have a cohesive thread throughout this episode. Let's get back to, you know, an excellent film. Um, I'm sure film majors. Um, um, Twilight. Really an auteur of her time. Um, Bro, that Stephanie Meyer uh, uh, cameo? Phenomenal. Wow. Well, also. Hey, here's your, here's your garden burger, Stephanie. 
Okay, also, can I just say, like, I lived through my fair share of, like, YA teen, like, author cameos. That was not a good cameo, like, comparatively no, speaking. Was no, I know, I understand that you were being satirical, but I'm saying, like, even in the context of other bad cameos, like, mm -hmm. even, okay, so, like, Sarah Shepard. Do you know who Sarah Shepard is? No. Okay, you're gonna, as soon as I say who she is, you're gonna realize what I'm talking about. She wrote the Pretty Little Liar series. Her cameo um, was so awkward, but like at least it like did something. Like at least she moved the plot forward, you know? <laughs> like, you know, I'm so sick of all these like half-ass cameos. Like, no, you should you should integrate yourself into the plot. I don't care that you can't act. I don't care that it's just fan service. I want you to move the plot forward. Even if that plot is a really harmful like teacher-student relationship that never should have aired on broadcast TV that I loved so deeply not the relationship i was never into the relationship i just again want to clarify that like i'm allowed to hate on pretty little liars because truly it is my ride or die it is why i pay for hbo max right now um it's fine it's whatever um so i'm allowed to make fun of it mercilessly because that is how that works i put in the time i put in the effort but i don't want it i, I don't want it to sound like i'm like you know, like, and this awful show, I just want to clarify to people that I, yes, this awful show that I love dearly. Um, yeah. Taekwondo, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like the Sarah Shepard cameo at least was like, you know, part of the plot. The Stephanie cameo, I'm like, you didn't even try. But also, I honestly think that's because Stephanie and Catherine Hardwick were not buddies, the director of the first movie they were not friends mm -hmm. um which makes me like Catherine Hardwick more um I will say there's some petty but, reasons for liking people no I mean like Catherine Hardwick I do have like some respect for Catherine Hardwick as a filmmaker like I've seen her other movies and I think what she wanted to do with the book was really interesting and you know I think <laughs> You know, that budget that they were on was, they were on a shoestring budget. She wanted it to be more of, like, an exploration of, like, adolescence through, like, life and death. But then they were also like, no, let's do it this way. And that's why it's such a fascinating movie to watch. There's just so many people trying to talk over each other. And you can <laughs> feel that in the movie. But then the rest of the movies, they're just so bland. Because, like, Catherine Hardwick obviously, like... You know, she's gone. Her the movies are normal colors again. Not boring. But it's like oversaturated too. It's just it wasn't a it was it was annoying. I'm like, I miss the blue. Like I really do. <laughs> I really just miss the blue tinge that's supposed to symbolize like it, you know, emphasize the setting and symbolize like the melancholy and like, you know, the death and everything and again the setting was super important in the first one and i didn't really feel that with the rest of them and it's like it's the least you can do when you're already like glorifying this very real place with very real people and mm -hmm. the um uh the quailu tribe that you just completely screwed over like it's the least you could do make it at least a good tourist attraction which it is now like you can actually go to Forks, Washington, and do everything there, which you know, for better or worse, that's it, it's a very it's a profit maker for the Quileute tribe. 
Um, which again, it's that's one of my not maybe not my biggest concern with Stephanie Meyer, just because like they've given interviews about it and like there could have been a right way to do it, but also like you really did just set up this narrative of the very white, like white purist group that keeps referring to a very real indigenous tribe as like animals and all of those different things. And they talk about like, they call like at one point, like they call them like mutts and like just all this really problematic stuff where like, yeah. it's very racially coded, um, which just knowing what I know about Stephanie Meyer just feels very um, on the nose. But like, like the biggest takeaway for me from this movie was less so the movie itself and more like I am concerned for Stephanie Meyer as a person. Like, is she yeah. okay? Like, no. I, like, I'm not even joking. Like, is she, like, what did she go through? Is she okay? Okay. So, is like, she- if you really, if that's like a real question, so yeah. Twilight came from a dream that Stephanie Meyer had. I, you're, you're, I hear you laughing. Yes. I, I tell you about the dream and you're, and you're laughing. But um, no, she had a dream and it was clearly her in the woods with a sparkly man. And she woke up, you know, in a panic because she just had essentially, this is okay. So some of this is me putting words into it. She had a dream with a man who, you know, was not her husband. And she had a panic, and then she wrote this whole self-insert story where the man was actually a vampire, and that's why he was sparkling. And then, like, which weirdly, like, I know, like, that's, like, one of the things that's most made fun of, but I think, honestly, it's, like, even more upsetting than that, because I was, uh, you know this, but I'll say, like, I rewatched The Lost Boys recently, and in The Lost Boys, like, their blood has glitter in it, which is just, like... The most extra thing, and like if you understand the subtext of the Lost Boys, I just find that to be very funny. That Joel Schumacher was like, the they they don't they're not glittery. Is that their blood is glitter? Like that's how extra it was. So like I can't fully make fun of like the sparkly aspect of it, but just the idea that she had this dream, she went into such a panic. She wrote this whole story, and like vampires, you know, thematically always represent like the seduction of the other and like you know kind of like the countercultures and she made the vampires the mormon church missing context time okay so basically uh stephanie meyer made the vampires the mormon church the cullen family is a family of vampires in twilight uh and even though it would have made narrative sense for her to make them POCs, aka just like non-white, she didn't because thematically I guess it made more sense to her to make them all white. Uh, but she's actually just racist. That is all that you need to know for this next section. The Cullen family more diverse just because she was like, there's no reason that they should all look alike, like they're not related. In fact, we might want to be stressing just how not related they are because it's a little creepy. Yeah. Um, and she was like, no, no, they have to be white thematically. Um, and then she, of course, the um, if you, you've seen the movie, that like there's one black vampire and he gets he gets got that is such real a fast. Man. Like, I just yes. That is a very attractive man. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you're left with, is his name James? I don't know. 
the creepy one from the OC, by the way. And he was he's an OC alum. He was very he was you know he was the uh like he was a surfer, but he also was a drug dealer as opposed to the surfer who was just like perpetually in the friend zone. He friend zoned so hard that he fell off a literal cliff. This is why I'm telling you that if you haven't seen the OC, you are missing so much. Um, <laughs> someone friend zoned themselves. Well, they didn't friend zone themselves, but he, like, you know, he was very much, I don't know where you stand on the friend zone. The friend zone is not a real thing, but he like took it so hard that he fell off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't jump. Like, it wasn't, no, I'm not, like, belittling anything. Like, literally, he friend-zoned so hard he fell off a cliff. That is all I can give you about that episode. And his enemy, his nemesis, was this other surfer named Volchuk because he's evil. Um, what? The Volchuk. That's his last name. I don't remember his first name, but Volchuk. Okay. Um... As opposed to the one who the one who friend zoned so hard he fell off a cliff, that is um Johnny. Because archetypally that just makes the most sense. Yeah. Johnny friend zone Harper. But anyway, so like Volchuk. Is his name James? I don't remember if his name's James. I'm gonna call him Volchuk, because that's the only name I know for him. Um he <laughs> is very creepy and scary. And he wants to eat Bella the whole time. Yeah. Okay. And that's the other thing. Like this whole if you read the books, which I really don't think is for you. I'm telling you this right now. I don't oh, think you read the books. I don't need Yeah. But so like if you read the books, it's like kind of interesting that like Bella is such a Mary Sue character, right? But she somehow has like all of these special things. Like Edward can't read her mind, but her blood also smells really good. Like it's just like a whole I don't really know what is going on there. But then also, so this one part of Midnight Sun, the only interesting part of Midnight Sun, oh is that uh, when he meets the boy Charlie, Charlie Swan is the only real character that truly, truly matters in Twilight. He's the best. He's the best. He's the absolute best. But he meets Charlie and like he only gets like a muddled version of his thought so then like edward has this weird moment of like thinking where he's like i wonder if it's like something that's like passed through their family and it's like a natural selection type thing which impl has so many implications like that's the thing stephanie meyer is a huge fan of just like throwing something in there and then like you know the john mulaney voice is like but we don't have time to unpack all of that and then she just moves on to something way less interesting and i'm like what in the world like she did that so much in the host which is a book that i actually do love but it's still kind of horrible like everything the host later the host yeah is yeah the thing of you can get into the host later but the one thing i will say is that she she's a she's a huge fan of just like throwing in something that's like actually like either really cool or really just like what in the world and then she's like but back to my abusive illegal romance because that is more fun and it's like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute can we you know unpack this and you never do so that's why i always think like the fans of stephanie meyer's work are they just come up with a lot more interesting stuff because stephanie meyer is she's never been bad at giving people like good stuff to work with which again like 
the host is a book that I really love from the concept and I've reread it a lot, but like the actual book itself is a lot. Um, but she, there's elements of that in Twilight as well, where like she's given so little, but it allows the fans to give so much is the thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that in its own way is cool as fuck. You know? Yeah. Like it, it might mean that the thing itself isn't that great, but that's okay. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's like, and, like you, and that's cool. Yeah. Like it's kind of like, and that's where I think she, I don't know, because I also like, I, I study fan studies, you know this, but mm -hmm. it's, it's been a weird summer of like, I don't, I'm not, you know, the whole thing about not implicating yourself that we went over. I'm not talking about JK Rowling on this podcast, but, okay. um, you know, this whole year of like, should we be consuming things from people who are not good people? And that conversation came up again when Midnight Sun came out in August because Stephanie Meyer is just not really a good person. Um, and it's interesting because it's like the Twilight fans have never operated <laughs> with, the under the assumption that she was a good person. So it's like, these people are coming with these like hot takes. They're like, I don't know if you know this. And it's like, everyone knows this. Stephanie Meyer is kind of the worst, you know? Uh, well, not the worst, but she's, she's, not, she's not an author to look up to, you know? Um, or a person to look up to. Um, but then, like, people are like, so now you can't read it, because, and I'm like, but that's just such a weird take for me, personally, and I understand, there's a lot more nuance to that, and I'm not trying to, like, dismiss all the argument, but it's just interesting, because the fans have never operated with, like, this is such a good piece of literature, it's been like, this is kind of trash, but I really like the world, and I'm gonna play around in it, um, and like that's the thing like edward he's fun to make memes about but i don't think anyone's out here i mean beyond the age of like beyond the age of like 14. that was my katie impression oh my god edward that seems old. i just i mean yeah but i i yeah but i i've known people and it's like it you know it's context time okay basically katie explains uh how creepy edward is and now he does shit like uh, watching Bella sleep and listens to her talk while she sleeps. And he claims that it gets to know her better. Yikes. Like, that's not, that's not in her sleep. Have you ever heard someone talk in their sleep before? It's not like, he's do. talking about it like, she, yeah, like, like literally like, he's like, you talk in your sleep. So here's your whole life story. His brain reading power. This is mind reading. Thank you for bearing with the technical difficulties thus far. That should have been the last one. This should be the last interruption. Uh, so enjoy the rest of the show. And what can I say except you're welcome. Once again. Okay, non-monolithic fans, go. Yeah, so I was saying that I feel like people have this memory of fans, you know, the Team Jacob, Team Edward when and i mean that's true but you know you look at twilight fans now and it's like screw edward screw jacob you know like i was telling you my favorite character is alice and it has been alice since i was 11 i would clarify that i've always been 
she has and you didn't get to any of their backstories but oh my god the amount of like the fact that like stephanie meyer just like that's the thing i feel like stephanie meyer could actually be a really good writer if she went to like one writing class um, because she has these really cool ideas but then she's like but we don't have time to talk about that we want to talk about this and it's like no we want to talk about that like she just does it so often and al is it's a very famous like example of that like if you ever get to alice's backstory if you do decide to go on with the movies it's literally like it's very creepy it could be the setting for a horror movie and you never find out the truth and it's just very frustrating and then the whole thing with rosalie rosalie has a really traumatic backstory that is really interesting and really compelling but stephanie meyer loves to have female characters that hate all other women so she's still the villain uh, except for like alice like alice is like her one exception but then you look at bella's relationship with all of her friends like bella's not just not a good daughter she's also like a really terrible friend oh she um, blows them off the moment uh jacob not jake fuck why i say jacob yeah, <laughs> just not jacob fine. yeah like she's and that's the thing like there's that's honestly one of the reasons that I would maybe recommend New Moon to you, if only because, like, Anna Kendrick, I feel like at this point, was just done with the franchise. And she still had to continue with all of the movies. And so, like, she... What do you... Okay. Anna Kendrick played Jessica in the Twilight movies, but she's also, like, a really famous actress... She was the lead in Pitch Perfect. That was like her breakout thing, I think. But like, she's done a lot since. Like, I think she's been nominated for a Tony. Um, but yeah, anyway, Anna Kendrick. So again, this cast also, also, this cast that they somehow assembled is wild. Like, if you really stop and think about it, the amount of people that they got in these movies is just so weird and like martin sheen is there why like you know like these people that just showed up it's like i recently found out that jeff goldblum was in glee and i didn't remember him being in glee but he was a prominent member of the third season which i did see but like it was this moment of was he really in glee why was he in glee who let him be in glee why did he want to be in Glee? Like, he didn't need to do that. He's Jeff Goldblum. What? And it was this, this very, like, I, that was a crisis. Like, that was, a, that was a little bit of an existential crisis. Um, but yeah, he was in Glee. So it's like going back and looking at all these Twilight actors, like, oh, yeah. And then there's this really funny inter interview with Anna Kendrick. I think it was, like, Jimmy Fallon or something. Where he brought up Twilight, she's like, I keep forgetting I was in those. I'm like, <laughs> Don't we all? Oh God. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she's not a good friend to no. any of them. When that's that's also something that like bothers me in a lot of like, I guess like YA vampire books specifically because I feel like that happens. I mean, maybe not just vampire books, but I vividly remember it happening in 
So this is actually a series that I really do love. It's also, it has its problems, but like the Vampire Academy Bloodlines series, oh. don't think of, yeah, the movie should have been a lot better than it was. And yet it was kind of trash. Like it was the it was the Waters brothers who you know respectively did Heather's and Mean Girls and they did Heather's, it with us. Hmm? Heather's is so good. I love <laughs> I Heather's. Heather's. I love Heather's. I've seen it so many times. But they did Heather's and like one of the, also I do find it funny that one of the Waters brothers did Heather's and the other one did Mean Girls. Different philosophies <laughs> of life. Um, but you know they came together to do vampire academy with that same type of humor and it just it was just not a good it was it was a trash movie it was not good but the series is really good and the first the first series is vampire academy and that whole series is about like these you know this friendship of these two girls these two teenage girls and like there's romance that does kind of take over a lot of the book and it's a really problematic romance of the lead character but like that friendship is very like there and very real. And then Bloodlines, which is my favorite, like the spinoff of it, like she gets these two friends that are treated like the friends in Twilight. And that's honestly, I mean, it's not my main complaint, but that's a very real complaint that I have where I'm like, why would you introduce these friends just to like be, you know, like atmosphere of your scenes? Like they should add something to the story. Like, stop just introducing these female characters just to be like, but then there was a boy. And it's like, it's just very frustrating to me but all the time. Like it, it almost feels like they were at it just to make Bella seem like a worse person. But like, why would you do that? Like, I'm not I even don't joking. think, I don't feels. think, I don't think, um, sorry, hold on, I dropped my mic. Um, I really don't think they were meant to be there to make her seem like a worse person. I think, honestly, they were supposed to be there to make her seem more interesting. I think they were supposed to be, like, the vapid friends, like, talking about, you know, little things like dances and, like, you know, all these things that don't even matter. And when in reality, Belle is the one who's, you know, going on and on about nothing all the time. And she is making stupid decisions all the time and her friends are just normal teenagers that just like to hang out with each other but then like it's presented in the narrative and i think if you do watch the rest of the movies i think it's presented a little bit more strongly that her friends represent you know in a like maybe if i'm being generous i would say like they're supposed to represent like you know humanity like her but they're also presented as like boring that that's like she can either be with edward and live like this like larger than life life and be immortal and everything or she can you know hang out with her high school friends who are worth nothing and are doing nothing and like all this stuff and it's just i don't know it's just weird to watch it having i think when i was 11 i think i bought more into it and i think it's stronger in the books too but then like you know you get older and then you watch it again and it's like I would like to hang out with them. Maybe not Mike or Eric. Which they're one? both kind of annoying. I don't remember which one's which. I just know that they're both kind of annoying. But like her friends, her like Jessica and Angela are, I would hang out with them in a heartbeat. They seem fun. And meanwhile, she's just kind of like, she's really judgy toward Jessica like all the time. And she's, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry that she can't find a 117-year-old boyfriend like some people. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry that she likes high school guys her age. Um, you know, I don't know. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of sexism going on in the Twilight books, just for fun. I mean, Stephanie Meyer's Mormon, so or was yeah is is yeah. She, but, yep, there's and she's also there's also a lot of interesting things with heteronormativity and like toxic heteronormativity in the books for that matter. Um, yeah, there's like a lot of things going on in those books, but regardless, it's like I think the movie is just such a it's such a weirdly compelling piece. I mean, just like some of these moments that they were able to pull off, I still stand by it. that baseball scene. That baseball scene is, is amazing. It's it is so, so much good. Like, it's just I, bad shit insane. Just people jumping off of trees and shit. <laughs> with the thunder <laughs> and like the lightning and all this stuff. And like they're running all over the place. <laughs> you know, it's just like. That's something else I will say to film majors to like make them mad. And I'm like, I don't know. I just like really like like baseball movies. And it's like the baseball movies are like Twilight <laughs> and High School Musical too. And I'll throw in um, A League of Their Own because I do actually really like that movie. But then I told someone that they're like, that's not a baseball movie. That's about women. And I was like, you need to unpack some more things. <laughs> There's more things going on in, in your brain. I bet you um, there's the same people that hate Legend of Korra. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. But yeah, it's just kind of like the the different scenes in Twilight. I will say, so like when I first watched the Twilight movie, that the ending of the movie I found to be quite frightening. Um, I actually Are really did. Still blue or like after it stopped being blue? No, the blue movie. The, oh. the ending of the blue movie I found to be very frightening. I was 11 and that whole scene, I haven't seen it in a while. So I really don't know if I'm just remembering it and when I say a, a while, I don't think I've seen this movie since I was 11 years old. Um, maybe like bits of it, but I don't think I've seen it the whole way through. And I don't think I've rewatched that scene since I was 11 years old, but I found it very frightening. Like the whole thing in the dance studio and like all these different things, which is weird because I've seen like objectively more frightening scenes with vampires in it. Mm-hmm. And like... I just, I think it was just, you know, I was young when I watched and everything, but I look back and I'm like, I'm not rewatching that. I'm not rewatching that scene. So I don't I want to. That scene is, I actually really enjoy it. And I thought it was one of the few times when we actually kind of unironically nailed the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I think you being frightened is a testament to it being. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, so I, I like. I personally enjoyed it a lot. Like, I think the stakes were very real as well. And, like, they shot it in a really specific way. Um, and you know, you just, and also you have the classic, like just introducing a character who is really only in it to, I mean, saying causing chaos is putting it nicely, but like the whole thing that like he is like a hunter and everything. And he's just like, literally like a, like cat and just wants to play like cat and mouse essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, it, it works. Like it's rather compelling, I would say. And so, you know, it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's just these weird, like, I can't fully, I also, I don't love it when people fully dismiss Twilight. I think Twilight is one of those things where, like, a lot of different aspects exist simultaneously. Twilight did a lot of good for the YA publishing industry. It also harmed a lot of the YA publishing industry. It's like, there are things that it did because it really 
you know, it launched, like, if Harry Potter, like, reignited, like, you know, like, children's and YA books, this really solidified. So, like, when this movie was being made, the reason they had a shoestring budget is because the uh, production company was like, no one's going to see this movie. Like, Summit, back when Summit was a thing, they're like, no one will see this movie. And so this movie really did solidify, like, no teen girls will see this movie and teen girls will spend their money and they will do this and they will do that and suddenly you have this new demographic because like teenager in itself was created teenagers are not real they're created demographic when like child labor laws were passed and suddenly you have this group of people with you know money to spend and if you start targeting them directly then you can make money and that's where the whole idea of teenager came from um, so demographics aren't real. They're not real constructs. They're just created from an industrial perspective to make money. So then when Twilight comes out, suddenly teen girls are like commodified in a sense that, oh, we need to make more of this. We like this, they suddenly became valuable. But then at the same time, a certain type of teen girl became valuable. And even though this it was not the only type of person who liked Twilight, it launched this thing where like okay we want to do vampires but we want to do it the white way you know like not the right way like they did it though you know like they're it created this vacuum where like it was white straight you know that's what they were looking for and that's what they were selling so you suddenly see this like resurgence of you're seeing a resurgence of a genre but then you know there are authors who aren't getting published and it created this vacuum and it actually made it harder for a lot of authors of color to tell stories authentically and they kind of had to go like a roundabout way and we're still seeing the ramifications today but that being said a lot of YA books wouldn't exist without Twilight because Twilight did create like it proved that teen girls were yeah it proved that teen girls were willing to spend their money um on things and they're actually i would argue that teen girls like like it or not are honestly some of the most valuable um demographics like, if you just look at it for everything like language they're the ones to push music forward like without mm-hmm. teenage girls you don't have an industry that can sustain itself if that makes sense mm-hmm. like, but that being said like they're like the most hated on my they push change no one likes change no one likes change but also people seem to have this undue hatred of teenage girls specifically consuming things made for teenage girls you know mm-hmm. like so what i was referencing earlier like the whole twi hearts ruin comic-con thing that was a very real article that someone like published about the squeeing the squeeing twi hearts oh my god the squeeing if you do anything with fan studies Squeeing is, you are talking about fangirls. That is what you're talking about. And the whole notion of fangirls originally was like, as opposed to real fans who are men. But you look at anything, and like you said, like the driving forces have almost always been teenage girls. And that's like what I think Twilight did help prove. But Twilight was also such a harmful narrative that like we. You know, I was explaining about Vampire Academy. Vampire Academy was kind of like an offset of Twilight, but 
the romance in that book even though the rest of the book is a lot better than twilight and it is it does focus on friendship and it is more of like a feminist story at times the romance is also really harmful and it's really problematic and so you're kind of stuck in this situation where yes it did revitalize the industry and it revitalized publishing and it decided what movies we were going to come out with it was a very influential text but because the text was so loaded with mm. with so much bigotry and so much just a lot in it then they wanted to publish books like that and we're on we're honestly only now vaguely getting out of that bubble so of course Stephanie Meyer it rears her head again and she's like I've heard that people were making money without me um and finally released Midnight Sun the long awaited book that she canceled literally out of pettiness um and then she finally published it cuz she was feeling irrelevant um even though I've been waiting on the host sequel for 5 years um and at this point I don't want her to write it uh because she's just going to make it worse but it was supposed to be a trilogy and that just that series was just like objectively better again the writing was still really bad and i don't understand what her obsession is with making really uncomfortable age gaps but like beyond that it's just a better it's a better concept it's a better book um but she would make it worse and i hate the fact that literally she made it a point at the end to make a very uncomfortable age gap when there was no reason to do it and she said she's like i wanted to write a book about adults and then she makes her lead character like 17 in the beginning when she's hooking up with like a 28 year old um and it's you know she i don't know what it is i think stephanie meyer like she just has this this itch like she just has to add has to add some things for no reason just for fun because why not because why not but yeah the host is definitely and then the moving oh my god that's honestly the real if you really want to know the real reason she didn't write the rest of the series is because the host movie did so poorly mm. um and it did poorly because well honestly like the screenplay just was not good and the rest of it they had an amazing cast they had an amazing like setting the music like everything was really good the screenplay was just so bad and not like in a twilight like like you know because i think say what you will about the first twilight movie it was an indie movie like and the, the vibes were always kind of like even if the acting was like kind of stilted it was like kind of like it was for the vibes you know but like with the host it just was so bad and they forced Sarah Sharonin to do such a weird acting job and like three-time oscar nominee Sarah Sharonin should not have had to do that movie but here we are and so that's why she didn't finish the series like literally she said that she was like it really didn't do as well as i thought which means that no one wants me to finish the series so she's a punitive child she's like well you didn't see my movie when i asked you to and i didn't make enough money and now i'm not going to finish the books because i am only in it for money um which is you never like to make those assumptions but i mean i think with Stephanie Meyer i can I mean I feel like I can say that cuz anytime she has done anything and I mean like good for her like get get that money I don't really care but um it is kind of hard to talk about like all of the different elements 
of Twilight and her when like she is really only in it for certain things. So it's like it does bring in interesting questions of like fans and like effective ownership over things because I do have respect over fans and effective ownership. And I mean, this is the case for everything, but I think with Twilight, it is very much apparent, like, you know, the fans feel they own it, but like, if you take away all of what they're doing, which I would argue that you shouldn't because this is how everything works. Yeah. But, you know, if you take away all that they're doing, all that they're doing in like the real world, if we're to, you know, define the real world as like capitalist consequences, is just funding a not so good person for me for mediocrity um but you know on the other hand it's something that it brings me joy i'm happy you liked the movie that you had well that you had fun watching the movie uh, because it, it it brings me joy and i think that's kind of it brings in interesting questions of like what a fan is or what a fan like should be i guess but mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, if you're going to hold it against Twihards, you kind of have to dissect like your own media consumption just because you just because Twilight is so easy to tear apart, you know, but it's like they're not really doing anything that other fans aren't um, is my argument, I guess. You didn't ask me to come on here for like a fan studies interpretation of this, did you? <laughs> uh, but like, like I said before, <laughs> I asked you to come on here. What did we get? And this is great. <laughs> so <laughs> I I have no qualms. Um, this is better than anything I could have ever like scripted or come up with. <laughs> well, that's my so that's my take on Twihards. Right. You know. Well, I respect your time. Uh, <laughs> you have stuff to do. That being said, wait. I'm gonna do the outro. Okay. Okay. Ready. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. This has been episode... What episode was it again? 12. Thank you. 12 of the Cheese <laughs> Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Katie. I really appreciate it. Thanks and for having me. No, thank you. And if you want to plug uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, fanfiction, uh, whatever. Are you asking me to plug things? Do you want to plug something? Yes. No, no. I'd rather... You know what? No. <laughs> I you don't. Know, you don't want me to put that weird um, sparkly blood article in in the. In the yes. Script? Okay. Yeah. Actually, plug that article about the Lost Boys okay. that I sent you. That's gonna be my plug because everything I else I don't. It was hilarious. I was laughing while I was reading that article. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, weird. the rest of my stuff, I don't. I everything's like private or not with my name, and the rest of it is just like you know. If y'all want to read my thesis, which no one wants to, <laughs> and it's uh, not, um, it's not done not. yet. That's what I'm, that's what I'm leaving to meet a deadline for is for my thesis. So, you okay. know, maybe one day I'll have something to plug. <laughs> one day. All right. Let me, uh, but yeah, thank you all for listening. You can contact me, your host, Steven, uh, on Twitter at STG black two. Yes. STG black two. That's my Twitter. Um, and if you want to email me, you can email me at cheese, the letter N, eggs pod at gmail.com. That's cheese, the letter N, eggs pod at gmail.com. 